seated. Those of you that are joining us online, we're so glad that you are. A couple things before we get started. Actually, I'm going to just do a quick Maui missions update because I want to have Steve White, who's here on island, come up and share uh, about the Philippines missions. So actually, Pastor Steve Santos wanted me to ask you to please pray specifically for the teams that are there in Lahaina on the ground. Um, also for the residents and families uh, there in Lahaina. And here's why. They're going to be going into the areas where most of the casualties occurred, many of whom will be doing so for the first time. And uh, most have not been back to their homes where their homes once were since this happened. And it is going to be so hard for them. So please, as the Lord reminds you and puts it on your heart, pray for them. Uh, he also wanted me to tell you all, you guys are amazing. No, that that's, I'm telling you, you're amazing. Um, but he just wants to thank you from the bottom of his heart for praying for Kim and himself and for Calvary Chapel Westside and for the people of Lahaina. So thank you on behalf of Pastor Steve Santos. Uh, Steve White, come on up. Oh, God bless you. Uh, this, I, have, I have another friend, I have two friends, uh, Pastor Steve Santos, they're both named Steve, uh, Pastor Steve Santos, and then this is my friend Steve White, uh, he's in the Philippines with his lovely bride and daughter, and so I asked him to share, he's here on island, totally taking advantage of him, so I wanted him to share a little bit about uh, the Philippines mission. So how much time do you need? Uh, do you want to do the prophecy minutes. update? Yeah. No. 30 <laughs> minutes? Go Four ahead. minutes. Oh, Four minutes. Can I put this right here? Take your time, of course. Yeah, okay. Don't touch anything. Right, I won't? Okay, Don't I'll try to. Okay. You're fine. All right, all right. Probably well. still. Here, you know what? Here, grab that. Grab that. Okay. All right. I'm so sorry, Steve. No, that's... How's this? Huh? Wow. <laughs> You have no idea what we're doing up here, do you? <laughs> Quite not brave. As well as should be. Yeah. Don't touch anything. Top secret. Okay. All right. Well, good morning all. And uh, it is certainly a blessing and pleasure to be back on island and be here in Kaneohe at Calvary Chapel and uh, just to be blessed among the brothers and sisters in Christ and uh, without you uh, praying for us there in the Philippines, um, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. And so thank you for that. Um, I've been back for a few weeks now, just getting immersed in the Word and in fellowship, uh, getting refreshed, getting ready to head back in just over a week. Um, I came solo this trip as my wife and daughter are back there in Boracay. Uh, school is in session, so uh, we can't take them out. But uh, this past week, I've been doing a study in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it just kind of seems so appropriate for this morning here, um, and how Paul explains that the body of Christ is made up of many members, and we cannot exist without the other. Each one of us plays an essential role in the body of Christ, 
And um, it's necessary for the work to be done throughout the world, throughout the nations. So on behalf of the Philippines ministry, I want to thank all of you for your active part in the body, for loving on us with your prayers, and for your loving support. Um, this last update that I sent out, which is out there in the foyer, um, if you don't have a copy, you can go grab one out there. Uh, but on the back of it here, I, I listed um, about a half a dozen or so prayer requests, and that was back in July. So while I am blessed to report um, that there are some good updates, uh, as James states in chapter 5, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Um, well, I'm blessed to report that our prayers have availed much. Um, my first prayer request was for our school in Boracay. We had been obtaining a very long waiting list from parents in the community wanting to enroll their students in the school. But our classrooms, when they were initially built, were built very small, and they only could allow maybe 15 in some of the classrooms. And so during the summer, um, praise God, he allowed us the opportunity to expand these classrooms, and we're now able to receive 30 students uh, for each classroom in the elementary. And our student population last year was at 229. It's up to almost 300 students now, so praise God for that. Um, in addition, we were able to add a science lab, which is a requirement from the Department of Education there in the Philippines for our high school students and we're able to remodel our library and our computer lab. So praise God for the blessings. And one other request that we had was for uh, new air conditioning units. Uh, we were getting by with some old window units that were actually hand-me-downs from an old resort that were more than 10 years old, and they really weren't doing anything but running up our electric bill. And so, praise God, we were blessed with 10 new split aircon units there and another answered prayer. So thank you. Uh, to God be the glory. And uh, for our other school on the island of Panay, that's the school for the indigenous tribe of the Ati. This is a, a, a group of people that have been shunned by society because of their dark skin and their kinky hair. They're the native Filipinos there. And... Uh, so um, the summer project for that school was our office ceiling was made out of wood. Um, it was one of the first buildings that went up when the school began a little over 10 years ago. And termites love wood. The termites were loving our office much more than we were. So we were blessed to have a concrete ceiling uh, poured the, during the summer. And, and uh, so the termites are going to have to find somewhere else to go for their lunch. But um, also, in our, my last update with the prayer request, we needed new teachers. Um, every year, we kind of go through this uh, rotation of teachers. Um, the public school teachers get a salary that's about three times the wage that what we can provide. But before they enter public school, they need two years of experience. So we're kind of the training ground for those teachers. And praise God, he blessed us with 11 new teachers uh, during the summer and three new staff. So uh, thank you again for your prayers. Um, we also do a pastoral ministry where we bring in pastors and church leaders from the surrounding region that cannot afford the travel to Manila for formal uh, seminary education. And so we're able to bring them to the island. We host them, we house them, we feed them, 
And we fly in the, the pastors uh, to do this training once a month. And that has continued to go strong. And we're, we're well over 100 pastors and church leaders each month, continuing to train them up there on the island of Boracay. And um, so lastly, one of the burdens on my heart has been found in Luke chapter 12, verse 2, when Jesus said, the harvest is truly great, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. And once again, God blessed us with prayer. I'm so happy to report this past September, God blessed us with Joey and Eileen Del Rosario from Manila. Uh, Joey is an American born and raised Filipino. And he came to Manila uh, just over a year ago and found his bride and Eileen, who is a, uh, has a doctorate in education in linguistics. And their heart is for the Ati tribal students, the college students. We now have 25 college students this year from the Ati tribe being immersed back into society. And I shouldn't say back into, into society. Uh, they've been in their tribe all their lives. And so it's, it's quite a burden for them, quite a challenge. And so they're there to encourage them and help guide them as they integrate back in or integrate into society. So God continues to bless the, the ministry in ways never imagined. It's just amazing how he works through his people um, just uh, while creating opportunities to fortify the body of Christ. It's just so amazing. So thank you. Maraming, maraming, salamat, salingang lahat. Thank you all for your continued prayer and loving support. To God be the glory. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, God bless you, Brady. Thank you. You sure you don't want to do the update? <laughs> <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Please uh, keep Steve and the missions there in the Philippines in your prayer as well. Uh, thank you for James 5.16, by the way. See, that was a word fitly spoken the effectual fervent prayers that you, we have no idea what they accomplish. All right, we have two services on Sunday. Uh, the prophecy update is first service. Second service is the sermon. That's our verse by verse study. And today, Lord willing, we're going to actually finish second John. And what we're going to do is look at how it is and why it is that we should make every effort to avoid misunderstandings uh, and also clear up the ones that we were unable to avoid. So that'll be live streamed 11.15 a.m. Hawaii time today, second service. And also for those of you that are watching by way of YouTube or Facebook, we'd encourage you to go directly so the website, jdfrog.org, there you will find the uncensored and uninterrupted entirety of today's update. So with that, let's get started. What I want to do today is pose the question by way of an analogy of whether I'm a prophecy paramedic or a prophecy police. Let me explain. When there's been an accident, the police and the paramedics will arrive at the scene, both having different distinct purposes. Now, 
while the police will assist with the injured if need be, their primary purpose is to assess what happened and whose fault it was, who's in the wrong. However, when the paramedics arrive on the scene, their primary purpose is to assist the injured and to quickly get them to a physician. You probably already know where I'm going with this, so I'll get right to it. What we need right now are paramedics, because the world is crashing and burning. And this, according to exactly what we're told would happen in Bible prophecy. And think about this, we're the ones that are on the scene, as it were. And we today are on the prophetic scene as the world is crashing and burning right in front of us. And it's the likes of which we have never, ever seen before. So again, the question, what is my posture? Is it that of being a police assessing fault? Who's in the wrong? Or a paramedic assisting the injured? Hopefully we can answer with the latter by virtue of how the paramedic is needed now more than ever to get those with the greatest need to the great physician, Jesus the Christ. We need more Christian paramedics, because as Brother Steve just shared, the harvest is ready, the injured are many. Where are all the paramedics? Where are the laborers? Pray to the Lord of the harvest, because we've got to get people to Jesus. He's the great physician. Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, very interesting account. I love it, because it's about my son Levi. Actually, I, I have a son, his name is Levi, but uh, it's about Levi having a great dinner in his home where he had invited Jesus. And Jesus accepted the invitation. By the way, whenever you invite Jesus, He'll accept the invitation. So he's there. And good for Levi. He invited his former colleagues all of his friends. In fact, the narrative is quite specific. It says a great number of his IRS friends. No, because that's what he did before Jesus said, follow me. He was an IRS. He wasn't just an IRS agent. He was an auditor, tax collector, uh, the, the most despised. So all of these guys were his his former co-workers and associates. And so he's like, hey, I'm going to have a dinner at my home, and I want you guys to come, and I'm, I have a special guest. And so they came. And they're eating, and they're sitting together, they're talking story. And here come the scribes and the Pharisees, the police. Always policing everyone. And they already started 
their investigation and even interrogation. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answers. I love this. Verse 31. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Truth be made known, they were the ones in the greatest need of the great physician. Dare I say, the world is sick. And by the way, if you work for the IRS, we love you. Just needed to make sure I got that. Uh, but would you agree with me that the world is sick and dying today? Would you agree also with me that what the world needs now more than ever is the great physician? He's the only one that can heal and save both now and for eternity. If you really think about it, the reason the world is crashing and burning in the first place is because of sin. In a way, one could say that had it not been for the sin in the world, there would be no need for the Savior of the world. So it's a sick and dying world, and Jesus is the great physician and the Savior of the world. So why am I starting out this way? I'm starting out this way and building upon this analogy, because no matter who you are, or where you are, this is what you are to be about. Now please hear me out. I in no way wish to come off like I'm talking down to you. I'm sharing my heart with you. But the onus is on you. As the pastor, we are to equip you. We are to equip you to get Jesus to people and people to Jesus. I think there's a, a misnomer, and that's an understatement in a way. And sadly, uh, it has, I think, been the reason for many of the problems that we're experiencing today with a feckless church, especially here in America. Because see, we, we've drawn this line between the laity and the clergy. Um, well, that's the pastor's job, not so fast. What if I told you that you can actually reach people that I could never reach? What if I also told you that God has uniquely positioned you right where you're at for such a time as this, and you can reach people that would not give me the time of day? This became a, uh, <laughs> I'll never forget when I, when I sold my business and entered the ministry, everything changed. My, my, my friends, because now I'm clergy. I'm not one of them. 
So even when I would interact with, you know, someone I didn't know or didn't know me, and then the ultimate inevitable question always came up, what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. What? See, I know as soon as I tell them I'm a pastor, whoop, there goes the wall. And I usually hear something like this. Oh, excuse my French. Listen, buddy, that wasn't French, okay? But you're excused. All of a sudden now they're on their best behavior, and now they're talking to me differently, because I'm clergy, most holy reverend. So now there's this big chasm between me and them, but not you because you work with them. You go over to their home and have dinner with them, and they come over to your home and have dinner with you. You have a relationship with them. You're on a level playing field with them. You're friends with them. And like I said, I only have two friends. They're both named Steve. <laughs> but you have you have access to people that pastors do not and cannot have access to. Pastor, where are you going with this? Because I, I, I'm going into this and harping on this because I think that, uh, this, I don't want this to come off wrong, but you're not excused. You're not excused. Because God has put you in that position right where you're at. People are asking good questions right now, aren't they? With everything that's going on in the world. And I want to get into this, but I, I want to ask you this question, and please just bear with me and think through this with me. Here's a sincere question from the clergy <laughs> to you as the laity. Could it be that God has you in that job that you're working at, or in that neighborhood that you're living in, or shopping at that one particular store that you always frequent so that you can answer the questions that many are asking right now, and rightfully so. You're right there. And maybe, maybe, maybe I can ask them, maybe they can answer this for me. And the key word here is ask, because they are asking questions. Believe me, they're asking questions. The question isn't, are they, this is a, <laughs> the question isn't, are they asking questions? The question is, of whom do they ask the questions of? Well, this is 1 Peter chapter 3. You don't, it's worse. It gets worse. I'm just warning you now. We, we know this well. We've talked about this. We went verse by verse through 1 Peter. I want to draw your attention to verses 15 and 16, chapter 3, 1 Peter. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer. Listen, 
give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But, and this is important, do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Um, this is packed pretty full. If you'll just allow me to expound briefly on this very important passage. First thing I want to expound on is that it's not we tell them, no, we answer them. And we have to be at the ready for them for when, I better said, if they ask, because maybe that's the question. They're not asking me. Hmm. Well, if they're not asking you to give the reason for the hope that you have, could it be that you have no hope? So why would they ask you? They're looking at you going, I thought I had problems. No, they're looking at you going, Man, that, that guy's just different. The world is crashing and burning. This guy, I want what he's taking. I'll drink what he's drinking. The problem is he's not taking or drinking anything. He has Jesus. So we, we create a, a curiosity. You know what salt, where the salt light does, right? Salt creates thirst, flavor. So they're looking at your life and you've behaved differently, peculiar, peculiarly, that word, which I should have had in my notes, I knew it. But you're peculiar, you're different, you're, you're not like everybody else freaking out right now. In fact, instead of freaking out, as everything is crashing down, you're looking up. You all know, you know, that uh, at an at a intersection, the crosswalk at the corner, you're waiting for the walk light, and, and, and you just look up. Everybody's like, what are you looking at? You weirdo. <laughs> wait, wait. I, I'm looking up. Yeah, but have you seen what is happening? I know. Uh, when the outlook looks that bad, try the uplook. I'm looking up. I have hope. I have joy. In fact, He's my only hope, and He's your only hope too, and the only hope for this sick and dying fallen world. And I'm looking up because He said, look up. So when you see these things crashing and burning all around you, look up because your redemption draws nigh. So don't think for a second they don't notice that, and they want to ask you about that. Because you've got something they want. Isn't it true? When, when somebody has something that you want that you don't have, you'll ask them about it and even for it. Because you got hope. I don't. What? <laughs> 
what's the reason for the hope that you have that I don't have? I'm so glad you asked. Because I'm going to give you the answer, because I'm already prepared at the ready. I'm always prepared at the ready to give an answer to anyone who will ask me, why are you so weird that way? Why are you so peculiar? <laughs> what, what are you smiling about? What are you laughing about? What, why do you have so much joy? And how, how, how is it that you have hope? Because I'm hopeless. But you have hope. And by the way, how about this? <laughs> I'm talking to myself. You don't even need to be here for this. Do this with gentleness and respect. Don't be obnoxious. I have the gift of obnoxiousness. And be respectful, by the way. Be gentle, be respect, be patient. And, and wait, patiently wait for them to ask you. And by the way, give them a reason to ask you for the reason for your hope. Because if they're not asking, then that, that might be a pretty good indication that they really don't want to ask you about anything, because you don't have anything that they want to ask you about. I don't want to beat this thing up too much, but the key here, and it's going to be germane to our understanding of what I believe the Lord has put on my heart to share with you today in, in the Prophecy Update, is we must be at the ready with the answer on tap. That's a poor illustration. Shouldn't have used that. That was a flashback from the day. Just at the ready. Rightly dividing the word of truth so you're not like all embarrassed, you know, ashamed. You know, is that in the Bible? Yeah, it's um, First Fleshalonians chapter That was pretty bad, but it was good in a bad way. So in other words, I, I have to rightly divide the word of truth at the ready to give an answer so I won't be ashamed, I won't be embarrassed, so that I'm prepared for when, hopefully when, somebody asks me about the hope that I have. So what I want to do is provide three practical examples of how we can answer everyone who asks us about our hope in a world that has no hope. The first example is going to be specific to Israel, for obvious reasons, I would think. And how to answer from Bible prophecy concerning the reason for the hope that we have when we see what is happening in and to Israel. So what I did is I do what I always do. I create lists. And this one is an abbreviated list. And it, I think, sums up, for the most part, certainly not exhaustive, some of the often asked questions that we can be prepared with an answer straight from the Word of God. I want to preface this this way, very important. Please hear me. In your preparing and rightly dividing of God's Word, 
studying to show yourself approved. When you're going through the Word of God, you let the Word of God go through you. When you search the Scriptures, you let the Scriptures search you, so that it's not disingenuous. Now, um, I know you younger people, you, you have the Bible on your devices, and that's fine. Uh, but some of us old timers, we like our Bibles, and we don't leave home without it. And they're always at the ready. And many years ago, by way of an example, I, I've had this Bible for over 30 years. I'll never get rid of it. So don't take my Bible from me. This, this Bible has been something about having the Bible, yeah? Been with me through some of the most horrific and painful experiences in my life. And it's been a lamp under my feet and a light under my path, a shield about me. I could go on and on. That's Psalm 119, by the way. So when I was in business, I always kept my Bible in the pocket on the door, the side door. So I was ready, man. I just, I, I was ready. You know, I, I, sometimes I, you know, try to say, you know, my Bible's right there. Ask me a question. Come on. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm ready. Couldn't wait. Well, one day had this um, guy, a gypsy, by the way. Jesus loves gypsies, just like he loves Arabs. So he's sitting in the passenger seat, and he starts asking me all the right questions. And he says something to me that stunned me and stopped me dead in my tracks. I'll never forget it to this day. This is many years ago now. He says, uh, can you pull over and show me that in your Bible? Because I had already pointed out that I had my Bible. He said, pull over. I, I want to see it. Because see, in their mind, seeing is believing. Jesus said it's actually the opposite. Believing is seeing. So I pulled over. Boy, good thing I knew where to turn. I mean, I had that page marked. I was ready and I was prepared. His whole countenance changed. Because the question he asked me, I answered it direct, not even my words, directly from God's Word. Not my interpretation of it, my quoting verbatim of it. He says, is that in the Bible? I said, yeah. He said, can you show me? I sure can. <laughs> That's a healthy pride, by the way. I just want you to know it's a healthy pride, sanctified pride. Okay. So I, I turn to the page, I show him, and, and I, I read it to him. He takes the Bible out of my hand. He reads it himself, changed everything. Do you know that he's walking with Jesus to this day? Yeah. I stay in contact with him. I've talked with him, uh, it was a while ago now, but just, hey, Ronnie, how you doing? And oh, we just talk story and rem the, remember all the good memories. And he gave his life to Christ, man. See, the, the world is asking two questions as they read the letter of your life. The first question, you know these well, right? The first question is, is it real? And the second question is, does it work? And they want it to be real, and they want you to be the real deal, and they want it to work. Because if you're real and it works, then that means it can be real for them and work for them. 
So they want it to be. Are you the real deal? Is this real and does it work? Is this the truth? They're looking for the way. They're looking for the truth. They're looking for the life. They're looking for Jesus. And we have Jesus to give to them and lead them to. Well, right now we have a golden opportunity before us because, come on, think about it. Even the most, uh, how do I say this? Sounding, uh, I'll just say it. Even the most biblically illiterate, I'm not talking Christians. I'm just talking generally, broadly. The average person knows that what's going on in Israel right now, wasn't there something about that in the Bible? Yeah. Come on, ask me. Is that in the Bible? Yeah, right here, right here, right here, right here, right here. Oh, that's why you're the way you are. Yeah, that's kind of why. So you're not like all worked up or freaked out? No. I'm looking up because this is exactly what God's Word said would happen at the time of the end. And it's all going to go down in Israel. And it is. How about that? Well, that, talk about a conversation starter, an attention grabber. Here's the first question. Let's go th- through them briefly, again, not exhaustively. Why can't Jews and Palestinians come to a peace agreement? Answer, take them to Daniel 9.27. Keep it simple. This is key. Keep it simple. And this is where spiritual discernment is a must. You must discern spiritually and know that the Holy Spirit knows the heart. You don't. You only see and know the outward appearance. But the Holy Spirit, and I love it when God does this with my teachings, He'll have you, the Holy Spirit will have you hear a different message than the one I preach. And I praise God for that. Because some of my sermons, the Holy Spirit's like, man, this this one's going to be a lot of editing. But the Holy Spirit takes your words when you, especially because His Word will never return unto Him void. So He knows exactly where that person's at, because he sees their heart. So he'll take something and it it blows them away because it's almost like they're going, only God knows that about me. Did did someone call you? No, that's the Word of God is alive. So take him to the Word. If young people, I again, I just, I'll I'll quit uh, picking on you. In, in a little bit, not right away. Uh, if you, because I know you guys are all about the devices, that's fine. Show them on on your device. You know, maybe download the app, the Bible app that has different translations, and show them on your device or tablet or whatever. But you got to show them in God's Word. I mean, if if you pulled this thing out <laughs> many years ago, I I told you that I've taken this thing. It's been all, all over the world with me. And uh, so I get on a plane and I always read my Bible because you can't turn on your devices till you reach a certain altitude. So I, I have my Bible. So I, have, I pull it out, but it's all worn off. And, and, I, and the people next to me, as soon as I pull this thing out, it changes the whole atmosphere in that, in that area, in that whole plane, actually. 
especially because I'm an Arab, they think it's the Quran. They're like, oh, no, that's it. That's it. No, 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 it's the Bible. It's the Bible. It's the, it's the Bible. It's a sword. <laughs> Thank you for appreciating my humor. So take him to Daniel 9.27, but keep it simple, but show him on your device or in your Bible, age appropriate, I guess, and keep it, read it, because God's word does not return void. Just say, actually, there is going to be a peace agreement. In fact, there's already a peace agreement on the table. Daniel 9.27 is a prophecy about that peace agreement being enforced, executed. You'll forgive the pun. And it's actually going to be a seven-year peace agreement. And there, it's going to be peace between the Jews and the Palestinians living side by side and peace and security. You can take them to 1 Thessalonians 5.3. Have these verses at the ready. You can take them to Daniel 8.24 and 25, talking about how through peace, his policy of peace, depending on the translation, I, th that is a very descriptive and detailed prophecy, Daniel 8. His policy of peace, through his policy of peace, he will cause crap to prosper and destroy many. Peace, destruction. Again, 1 Thessalonians 5.3, while they are saying peace and security, sudden destruction will come upon them as a woman in labor. And don't memorize them and quote them, show them again. But keep it simple and be very discerning because you can blow them out of the water. I mean, it's like drinking water out of a fire hose. You're just going to blow them out and they're going to be like, whoa, whoa. Because you got to keep in mind, we're, we're living in the Netflix series binge era. I'm going to try a different one. You got the point, right? I mean, that, you know what amuse is, amusement? It's you shut your brain off. You don't muse anymore. You're amused. You're just neutral, just being brainwashed. You're not using your brain. And it atrophies. So keep it simple. I'm sorry to say, dumb it down if you have to, so they can understand it. Just keep it simple. Okay, question number two. Why has there been so much turmoil over Jerusalem? Of all the cities, why Jerusalem? Oh. Because God in Zechariah 12, show them, verses 1 through 3 said, I'm going to make Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the intoxicating obsession of the entire world in that day, the last days before I come back. I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup of trembling, a burdensome stone. If they're going to try to move the boundary stones, it's going to be a burden on them. They're going to be intoxicated, a, a, a cup of trembling. It's, they're going to be obsessed with dividing Jerusalem into a two-state solution. And then God in Joel 3.2, let them read Joel 3.2. God invites them. They RSVP. It's the last RSVP. Who RSVPs? All the nations that divided God's land, scattered God's people. He invites them to the Valley of Jehoshaphat. They RSVP. And he judges them there for dividing Jerusalem, the city out of all of the cities that he put his name literally on, his name of ownership, Yaru Shalom. <laughs> 
peace, shalom, in Arabic, salam, jaru, salam, peace, city of peace, place, it's anything but, except when the Prince of Peace rules and reigns. Number three, this is an interesting question for which there is a very good answer. But again, keep it simple. I'll try not to complicate it. Why have the Jews been hated and persecuted so much? By the way, the, the hatred for Jews right now is off the charts. Off the, right? Okay. Uh, why is the question. Answer? You can start them in Genesis 3.15, the very first prophecy in the Bible, by the way, where God says to the serpent, I'm going to put enmity between your seed and the seed of the woman. The first prophecy. And you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. The seed of the woman is the virgin birth. The woman is Israel. The point is, I know this is going to be shocking. Jesus is a Jew. The seed of the woman, the woman is Israel. In other words, there's going to come a Savior from Israel, the seed of the woman, and He will be the Savior of the world. You're going to bruise His heel, but He's going to crush your head. The seed of the woman, the woman has the egg, not the seed. This is the virgin birth of the Savior of the world, prophesied in Genesis 3.15. And this is why it is that from the beginning of time, starting with Cain and Abel, Cain was demonically possessed to murder Abel because Satan is not all-knowing. He did not know that the seed was not going to come from Abel, but come from Seth. So he possessed Cain to murder Abel, trying to annihilate the Jewish people before there were the Jewish people. Because he knows Bible prophecy better than any Bible prophecy teacher ever will. So that's why. It's because the woman is Israel. And the Savior would come from Israel. You can take him to Matthew 24. I mean, maybe not. <laughs> Just discernment. Discern. The Jews of all the people have been the most persecuted people from the beginning of history, the history of mankind, because of Jesus the Christ. That's the simple answer. And this fourth one is probably the biggie. Is World War III about to break out with this war in Israel? <laughs> now you can have some fun with this. Uh, you can scare them into heaven with this one. Say yes and no. And then take them to Ezekiel 38, the Battle of Gog. Because all of the nations listed by their ancient name, and you'll have to expound on it and use discernment. Uh, say all of these nations, modern day, are already at the ready uh, to fulfill this prophecy. It can happen anytime. We don't know the timing of it, but we can know that it's about to happen anytime. Then you can take in Revelation 16, 16. This is the battle of Armageddon, and it's not with Bruce Willis saving the world from an asteroid. I'm telling you, we're the Netflix and uh, movie and uh, generation and world that we live in. Um, Armageddon is actually a place, Megiddo, Valley of Jezreel, for those of you that have been to Israel with us. And talking about another invitation, God's going to gather all of the armies of the world to 
Megiddo, the, the, the Valley of Jezreel, Armageddon. And the blood, we talked about this on Thursday night, is going to rise of the, the horse's bridle. It's going to be a bloody battle, the battle of Armageddon. So the answer, the simple answer is uh, yes and no. <laughs> yes, this could lead up to it. No, this is not it, but we're so close to it being it. Because you can also, this is another question. If you want to go into it, use the sermon, Psalm 83. Many argue this is a subject of much debate. Is Psalm 83 a prophecy or a prayer? Uh, you can argue both sides. I, I tend not to muddy the water, so to speak, with Psalm 83. It very well could be because it is a conspiracy with the surrounding peoples to destroy Israel, wipe Israel off the map so that the name of Israel is remembered no more. And that's Psalm 83. You can take them there. There are many other passages, but again, keep it simple. And I know this is nowhere near being exhaustive, but at the very least, it equips you with a starting point. Have I, have I just kind of given you, have I helped you a little bit here with these? You can online, you can take a screenshot. Uh, maybe our team, we have an amazing team, can put together a PDF of this. It's just, it's just a, a template. It's just a, a kind of a tool just to kind of get you started. But do your own study of God's Word to be prepared, because God might put a verse on your heart, unbeknownst to you, for somebody that three o'clock that afternoon is going to ask you that question, and he's going to have you with that verse ready for that question. In fact, I'll take it a step further and say, God will redirect somebody to someone else who is prepared if you're not. I hope that doesn't sound mean. I don't mean to be mean. Because God's searching to and fro, and, and here He's got somebody that He wants to save, but He's looking for the vessel, the laborer, <laughs> the worker, the paramedic. And, well, I can't use him. He, he's clueless. He's, anyway, sorry. <laughs> he, he, does, he doesn't have the answer, or He's not ready. I mean, He has the answer. He just isn't ready to give the answer. So I've got to find some help. Oh, I guess, I'll, I guess I have to use him. God, that's a donkey. I know, but I can't find anybody else. God uses Arab donkeys too. If, listen, if God, I want to encourage you, because I just beat you up, I know. Beat myself up too, all the time. You have no idea. I don't need your help. Uh, if God can speak through a donkey, come on, He can speak through you too. Okay. This brings me to the second example of how to answer from the Bible those who ask concerning the reason for the hope we have. Now, th this is a big, I mean, I know they're all biggies, but maybe I should just ask you, are you getting people asking you questions about the economy right now? Um, I took my daughter to lunch. I haven't been out to eat in months on Friday. I took her to lunch. I'm not going to tell you where. They don't even have menus anymore. No. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, you probably know the place. Good food, but no menus. 
So there's a little QR code now. I guess you're supposed to put your forehead or your forehand on it. And so the server comes to the table and goes, have you eaten here before? I said, yeah, it was a long time ago. I don't get out much, which is true. She says, you know, um, you have to scan in the code so we can track you on your device and uh, see the menu. In fact, that's how you order and that's how you pay. Oh my goodness. You mean, I carry cash around. I'm not going to tell you how much. I don't want anybody, you know, <laughs> taking me out afterwards. Not a lot. But if I'd have brought cash, do you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to eat at that establishment. They've already gone cashless. They've gone menuless too. But that's not even why I bring it up. Why do I bring it up? Because I had my daughter do it on her phone. I'm putting that thing on my phone. So I said, I said, Sabia, just pull the menu up and then just, they're, they're already tracking you anyway. So um, just let's order, you know, this is where you want to eat. This is where you want to eat, right? Yes. Yeah, okay, let's find them. Let's eat. So she's swiping and, you know, scrolling and, I, I, you know, you know how we text, right? We're like this. So she's, yeah, okay. What do you want? It's like, well, I don't know now, but uh, let me see. So I look at this thing and I pick out what I want to order. And, and then I add it to the cart and it shows you the total. I'm telling you, I'm not getting any younger. I thought, I'm going to go see Jesus. When I saw that number, are you kidding me? I was here like eight months ago. It was not anywhere near that, that expensive. What happened? Wait, what, is this a sacred cow? I'll order chicken. You can get one down my lane. There's plenty. I'm like, do you have financing? I'm starting to think maybe second mortgage here. I don't know. But I didn't want, you know, my daughter, I didn't want to ruin the moment, but it had already been ruined for me. Are you kidding me? The price of things. Hey, I'm not exaggerating. You know, I'm not exaggerating five times more than it was. And that's why I don't get out much. I mean, I, this, they call it sticker shock. I'm in shock all the time. I can't believe it. My wife comes home from the store because I make her go. She says, you know, you know what a dozen eggs, I don't want to know. Uh. Well, people are asking about this. And they're asking this question, isn't there something in the Bible about this? I'm so glad you asked. Because I have the answer, because you know why? I prepared for the answer. Now, again, I don't want to oversimplify what is arguably complex, but just keep it simple. And as the Lord directs and as the Holy Spirit prompts, use discernment, spiritual discernment, see where they're at, take their temperature, get a good read as to how much they can handle. Unless the Holy Spirit directs you, otherwise it would not be wise to try to explain CBDCs, centralized bank, digital uh, currency, digital currency, cashless. Uh, 
probably wouldn't, you know, again, discern the situation. Now, if they ask you about what you know about CBDCs, you might want to brush up on it because that's in Revelation 13, which we're going to talk about in a moment. It's cashless. It's biodigital. So you mean, does it say that in the Bible? Show me where it says that there's going to be a cashless economy worldwide at the end of days, in the last days. Show me that in the Bible. Take them to Revelation 13. I wouldn't necessarily get too excited about verse 18, but at least 16 and 17. Verse 18 is the 666, and that can derail you. By the way, that's a good point. I'm glad I thought of this. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me of this. Don't let them derail you. Well, what do you think about, (laughs) you know, the young earth theory? Get back to Jesus. Get back to the answer. Stay on track. Stay on message. So no, no, no. You asked me a question. I'm going to give you the answer. Okay. Maybe we could talk about that some other time, <laughs> if, if we're still here by that time. But let me answer your question. The Bible says in Revelation 13 that it's going to be a digital cashless economy. Want me to take you out to lunch to a restaurant? I'll show you. It's already here. So verse 16, Revelation 13, he also forced everyone, everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that, listen, no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Again, keep it simple, maybe just verses 16 and 17. If they bring up the number, the mark of the beast, say, well, it's some sort of a digital number associated with the Antichrist and the beast, and it will be digital. And you know how they can suspend your social media account? Well, they'll, they'll suspend your bank account because it'll all be digital. So if your carbon credit score is too high, or your social credit score is too low, you won't be able to order even at that same restaurant anything anyway, because you don't have enough credit. It's all digital. Your account has been limited, restricted, suspended. And it's right here in the Bible. And it's already happening. And they, they, they need that answer to that question, because The whole point of all of this is to get them to Jesus as quick as you can. If they get off track and want to take you down the scenic route and talk about young earth and all this other stuff, you know, creation versus evolution, you can have some fun with that one if you want. But just get back to Jesus as quickly as possible, because He's the great physician and they're they're going to die if you don't get them to the great physician. Because Jesus is the only one that can heal them and save them. Well, this brings us to the third and last one, which I'll also approach as simply as I can. Um, This is probably the, arguably the biggest issue and question of all, but we'll go ahead at this time and (laughs) uh, end the live stream on YouTube and Facebook and redirect you to the website. Of course, you know what I'm speaking of. I call them, I don't even call them so-called vaccines anymore. They're injections. And what's happening now, and and by the way, I know you're getting asked about this because we're getting asked about this. We get over a thousand emails or inquiries every day. And we have had a significant uptick 
from people all over the world asking us about our religious exemption letters, which by the way, I mentioned last week that we're working with an amazing attorney on. He's a brother in Christ, and we're hoping to revise and put some legal teeth into uh, these religious exemption letters. Because you know what they're doing, right? It's coming full circle now. Uh, and they're kind of, you get a two for one. Remember when with the uh, COVID injection, you get a free burger. Remember that New York mayor? I'm trying to forget it, but I mean, he goes on national TV and he's eating this burger and these fries, and you can have one of these too if you'll roll up your sleeve and let us give you a death shot. That's okay. The burger's going to kill me anyway, so <laughs> thank you very much. So you know what they're doing now is they're kind of packaging the quote-unquote COVID injection with the flu injection. And they're mandating it. Oh, come on, pastor, there you go again. No, there they go again. There they go again. Wait a minute, pastor, is, it, is this in the Bible? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you better believe it. Again, in the interest of time, brevity, and the aforementioned simplicity, I'm just going to focus on one prophecy also found in the book of Revelation, and it's Revelation 18.23. And it is going to require that you explain the word sorcery in the original language, because it's the Greek word pharmakia, and it changes the whole complexion of the prophecy. Let me read and show it to them. The, speaking of the fall of Babylon, they've heard Babylon before. They've, there's movies and Netflix series, since we're picking on Netflix series of Babylon. Isn't it interesting that it's always something biblical? We talked about this last week, right? I have yet to see a false Buddha, because there's no true. It's, it's, it's always, a, anyway, I'm not going to get off on that. I don't have time. Don't look at your watches. The light of the lamp shall not shine in you anymore, the fall of Babylon. And the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your, there's that word sorcery, all the nations were deceived. All the nations on earth were deceived. Deceived by what? By big pharma, a pharmaceutical solution slash injection. All nations. I'll never forget in 2020, when I used to watch the news. I haven't watched the news in I'm going on two years. I'm going to throw myself a party and buy a t-shirt. I haven't watched TV in almost two years. But when I did, I remember I'm watching, I had screens, several screens, and not anymore. <laughs> and I, I, I've got the Ayatollah Khamenei in Iran wearing a mask. And I got this guy over here in this other country wearing a mask. And I got, of course, these guys here in America wearing a mask. Every nation on earth in lockstep, exactly as I said it here. And you call me crazy? I've been called worse. 
again. (laughs) The Holy Spirit has to give you spiritual discernment and prompt you. If you want to go further, go further. If the Lord should lead you and prompt you to do so. It's worth your time. You know why? Because what's at stake here is eternity. And we are on the eve of the pre-tribulation rapture, the commencement of the seven-year tribulation, the subsequent second coming at the end of the seven-year tribulation, the beginning of the kingdom age, and then finally the new heavens and the new earth, eternity future. We're on the cusp. That's what's at stake here. Now's the time. Today's the day. And here's the bottom line. Everything I've just talked about, and even the many things I didn't talk about are all, I want you to think about this, simultaneously converging in their prophetic trajectory. We just covered three. Everything, I mean everything that is happening is exactly what we were told would happen, and it's simultaneously happening. I'm going to end the way we began and simply say that time is of the essence. And as paramedics we must provide urgent care in getting people to the great physician. One last question. If it's not you, then who? If it's not here, then where? And if you don't do it now, then when? We do this every week for this reason. The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, salvation found in the person of Jesus Christ, who came and died for you, was buried and rose again on the third day, and is coming back again soon and very soon. Keep looking up one day. That's the good news, the gospel of salvation. He died for you. He's coming back for you. He's going to save you and take you out of this world to that place He prepared for you in His Father's house. The ABCs of salvation, again, just a tool. It's not a formula. It's just a way, not the way. But So you've got something simple at the ready. Should God ever give you the profound privilege of having somebody ask you about Jesus, and then you can give them an answer. And by the way, are you prepared? And I ask this sincerely. If I'll never forget the first time I gave an invitation, I was young in the ministry, and I just said, you know, uh, had, had what they call, affectionately referred to as an altar call. People started coming forward. I'm like, God, what do I do now? I wasn't ready. So I remember, it was, it's all a blur now. I'm trying to forget probably. But I said, okay, you know, I, I just did what I saw everybody else do. I said, repeat this prayer after me. I'm fumbling and bumbling and, you know, and, and poor these poor people, I'm, you know, I'm going off, you know, and, and forgive me for my sins and the, and the atonement and the, what he said. And they still got saved, despite me. I think they were just waiting for me to stop talking like you are right now, so they could get saved. It's just a tool to equip you 
A, admit, acknowledge. Again, we just talked about that. If, if you're not a sinner, what in the world would you have any interest in a Savior for? No, but you are a sinner. This is the bad news. The bad news first, because the bad of the bad news is the good of the good news will be. There is no one righteous, not even one. No one is good, save one, Jesus the Christ. Oh, but uh, I'm a good person. You'll never be good enough. I've never murdered anybody. No, have you hated somebody in your heart? Jesus said, that's murder. In other words, you sin. Look in the mirror of God's perfect law. It will show you, you. That's what the Ten Commandments are. Like, we're supposed to keep those? No. What's the Ten Commandments for? It's to show us that we're a sinner. And then we see ourselves in the mirror, as God sees us, as a sinner. And here's the Holy Spirit, like that schoolmaster, the tutor, take us by the hand. Where? To Jesus, the great physician. I'm a sinner. I know, that's what I'm trying to tell you. See, look at yourself. (laughs) As you get older, you look at yourself in the mirror and you just think, oh, Jesus, come quickly. Now Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. Uh, Sin is an archery term. It's when you shoot the arrow and you miss the bullseye. We've all fallen short. We all miss the mark of God's perfect standard, bullseye standard of righteousness. You sinned. You fell short. Now Romans 6.23 talk about the bad news first before the good news. Here's the bad news. There's a, there's a penalty for your sin and all have sinned. And the wages of sin is death, the death penalty. You've been sentenced to death. We were all born sinners, which is why we must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. Jesus died for you. He went to His death instead of you. He carried out your death sentence for you and purchased you, paid the price in full, and offers you the gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift, not a purchase. He he purchased you. We are not our own. We're purchased with a price, the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the A, the B, very central. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10, 9 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. To believe means that you're putting your trust in, believing in. And then the C is for call upon the name of the Lord. Or as Romans 10, 9 also says, if you confess with your mouth, because you see out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if I believe in my heart, then what's going to come out of my mouth is the confession of what is in my heart. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Not you might, could, should. No, you will. And Romans ten thirteen seals the deal. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He will not reject you. He will in no ways cast you out. All who call. Could you imagine? When I got saved 40, how many ever years ago, if if I was, 
part of the heavenly host at that time, I would have said, God, I don't think you should take this one. Because <laughs> we say, I gave my life to Christ. You know, the greater miracle and good news is that He accepted you. you say, well, I accepted the Lord. No, no, He accepted me just as I am. I gave my life to the Lord. He took your life and gave you eternal life. Okay, let's bring it to a, a close. Thank you for your patience. Today's But God testimony comes from Stephanie Kanabe. I'm sure I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. She writes, Dear Pastor J.D., I, I wanted to send you my deepest appreciation for your ministry at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and the support that you give to your online church. Thank you so much for the ease of the use of your website, prophecy and sermons, ABCs, exemption letters and resources. I have used them all. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. She says, I am an RN and had to have support for my stand against vaccine mandates set for the COVID-19 vaccines in 2020 and yearly now with the flu vaccines. I had to reapply for exemption and had been battling over this issue for the last two months. But God, your exemption letter came just in time with just the right date on it. And God answered my prayers. I received confirmation that they will now place the religious exemption on my record with HR. And I will no longer worry that my job will be in jeopardy over it. Finally, I will not have to resubmit every year. You know how many people have to keep resubmitting these things? And they're looking for a way not to honor them, not for a way to honor them. I hope you know that. I pray that God will protect and bless you and your team in their efforts to assist every request. I am blessed by your messages and your team's response. I too am looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I look forward to meeting you any day now, Maranatha, and I you. Kapono, come on up. Why don't you stand up? We'll close. Again, thank you for your patience. Father in heaven, thank you so much, Lord. Would you ready us and steady us as your paramedics? Prepare us so that we can bring people to you as the great physician. Lord, when you're searching to and fro, I, I pray that you'll find us prepared and ready so that you can use us as laborers in this harvest. Lord, thank you that we know because we know you as the God of the Word and the Word of God. We know you told us this in advance. And now it's happening and that settles us. But so too does it excite us and motivate us to want to bring as many people with us as we possibly can when that trumpet sounds. Would you grant us that grace, we pray? And anyone listening or watching online or even here in this church service, Lord, that has never called upon you, believing in you, putting their trust in you, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. They would not put off any longer 
and delay the most important decision of their life for eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And Maranatha, come quickly, Jesus, please. In Jesus' name, amen. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless.